This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Sophie Nelson. How's it going, Sophie? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, if you've been reading The Pulse, you probably are familiar with some of the work that Sophie has been doing over the last couple of months now. Uh, you've been writing a bunch of beer articles for us because you have a, a kind of interesting and unique position as Door County's first Cicerone, correct? Yes. Perfect. We will, we'll jump into what a Cicerone is and what you had to do to become Door County's first certified Cicerone. But before we do that, just give me a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, What are your ties to Door County and how did you get into beer? Well, my ties to Door County, I grew up here. My parents grew up here. Their parents grew up here. You know, one of those stories. Um, So yeah, I spent my whole life up here. Absolutely love it. Um, I got into beer actually when I was fresh 21 years old. I worked at Beerzot. Right, because 21 is when people have their first beers ever. Yes. Right? Yeah, even yes. though we're in Wisconsin. I'm from Minnesota, so that the whole culture is still weird to me. Yeah. But uh, we're all we're all <laughs> law, law-abiding citizens. We had our first sip of beer at 21, and you... It's like, I need more history. Right. So uh, so continue the story. Um, well, so to work at Beerzot, they, because they had really cool beers, they wanted us to know a lot about them. So there was some required reading. We had to learn about styles, about history... And I guess that's just not something that I really expected. You know, when you hear beer, you think, oh, I'll go have like a Miller Lite down the street or something. And that's just totally not what beer is. Beer actually has a really cool history. Each style developed so uniquely in each different country and region. And it's it's really, really cool to to learn about. And so I just and it's and then, you know, when you learn about it, you get to drink it afterwards. So right. it's pretty, pretty good time. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast finally, because beer is something that I have always wanted to know a lot about. I've always wanted to be like beer guy, but I just, I'm not, and I haven't been able to open that door fully. So I'm hoping that through you and through your knowledge and your articles, I can start to gather that information and that appreciation a little bit more. I I tend to base my, my beer taste on what can looks the coolest, like the coolest art. Hmm, and I think effective method. Yeah, I think that that that's probably the best <laughs> way to get your foot in the door. Uh, but I like my beer background growing up. My dad drank Coors Light only. So that's all I thought beer was until I went to college and uh, turned 21. Of course, no, no beer before that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, my first beer experiences were in Ireland. I was 20 ah. years old, but the drinking age over there is 18, not 21. So that was my first legal beer purchases, and it felt like I was cheating or something. Nice, yeah. And they've got some some fun beers over there in Ireland. They they did develop uniquely, which is fun because they they did have some influence from England as well. But they also have their own styles, you know, the dry Irish and the Irish red. Those kind of fun little get to try those there. Right. So tell me about the actual journey. You're you're at Beerzot, and you're you're learning all about different beers. When did you? When did you learn about what a Cicerone was and and when did you decide to take the plunge and try to become one? Well, Cicerone is the only international accreditation for um, beer. It's it's a lot like sommelier with wine. It's like it's kind of the one, the only, the big one. You know, there are other little ones that for each country, but Cicerone is the big one. So we all sort of knew about it. I didn't actually even I didn't even get level one at the time when I was working at Beerzot. I don't really know why. I probably should have. I probably could have. But it was fun to just use that as a study tool and to learn more. And then, yeah, it actually took me 
about three years after to get level one for the Cicerone certification. So help me out with with this. I think that I I'm starting to make the distinction that like in the same way that a Band-Aid is a brand name of bandage. <laughs> a Cicerone isn't like a, a an expert of beer. It is a specific certification, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. And is that the same for sommelier? I have always assumed that a, sommel- that a sommelier was an, a wine expert, but it is a very specific certification, right? Yeah. So you can be, you know, a beer geek, a beer nerd, a beer fan, but unless you take the test <laughs> and pass... Um, yeah, you can't, you can't call yourself the actual, so my title is actually certified Cicerone and that's the level two certification. How many levels are there? There are four. There are four. So you're halfway there. Oh geez. I, yeah. Are you, <laughs> we'll are see. you planning on continuing down the path? Um, if it ha- ends up being very useful, but it's not a very common thing. Level two, it likes sommelier. It's, that's kind of all you really need. To get where you want, if you if you're really into it, maybe more. But like for the level fours, there's less than a hundred in the world. Huh. Like it's not. Yeah. So then, when is it is it a, a linear thing, or do you take the test once and it kind of lands you where your skill level is? Yeah. So you the level one exam is online. You have to take that, pass, get it, and then you sign up for level two. Then you have to go take that very difficult exam. And then pass that. Then you can go for level three and so on. All right. So so walk me through your process. Tell me about taking the level one exam. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about the level two exam as well. So I took the level one exam while I was living in New Zealand, actually. I kind of just had a, I was working in a restaurant and I was like, what am I doing? So I, you know, I had a little crisis. <laughs> and then I decided that getting my level one Cicerone certification was going to be what I needed to do. So I, you know, did a little bit of studying, took it online. The level one is actually relatively easy and you can do it in your own home. You get two tries. It's not too hard. Uh, And then after I lived in New Zealand for a bit, I moved to Australia and I worked at a brewery in Australia and they were actually known in Melbourne. It was in Melbourne, Australia. They were known for having the most certified Cicerones, so level twos of any brewery or bar in Melbourne. And so I worked with a lot of Cicerones and they were my friends and they really encouraged me. We had weekly study sessions. It was so fun to be around such nerdy beer people. They are the best people. Um, And that really encouraged me. So when I I then got home uh, on Memorial Day, so Memorial Day weekend, I got back to Door County. And from then I started studying and I looked at test dates and found a test date on September 24th in Chicago at the Cicerone headquarters. So I spent the next couple months and then the 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 last 3 months before the exam I studied every single day. It's a lot of reading, not a lot of beer drinking. Uh and yeah, studied a lot, took that exam. So it's not it's not all fun and games and, and partying to become a, a Cicerone. It's serious business. <laughs> no. I think my alcohol tolerance was at its worst while I was studying. Right. I, it was just all reading. I didn't have time to drink beer. Like, come on. So your your story seems to me like like so many of the stories that we get to to hear about on the podcast. And, and what I love is that you were from here uh, and then you left here and you picked up knowledge and skills elsewhere and then decided to bring that back to enrich this community, which is, it, it's such a cool thing. And it's something that a lot of folks end up having that story. And I think that yours is another example of being able to go out to find a greater appreciation or greater skill set and then bring that back here and enrich what we have going on here. So it's very cool to hear in, in that way that you're similar in that, like that. 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. I I know a lot of people that are doing cool things like that. You know, it's like Door County is definitely evolving, especially in the last 10 or so years. It's a completely different place, like different stores, different activities, different types of things going on. And it's it's really fun to, well, yeah, to bring something and then to also have a place in Door County. It's it's just, yeah, such a blessing to be here. Right. So tell me about the test. There, there's obviously different components of your beer knowledge, right? So there's, I'm assuming, a history component and then like composition, that kind of stuff. Tell me what goes into a test. Yes. So the level two is a three-part exam. So the first part is a three-hour written portion of a test. And with that portion, I had to look this one up. It has, so there's keeping and serving. And so you learn all about, you know, beer getting old, bottles versus cans, um, how things are stored, how to serve things, different glassware, keeping it clean, all that. Uh, And then there's beer styles. So that goes into a lot of history, which is super fun. Um, Beer flavor and evaluation. So you have to know what off flavors are. You know, if a beer tastes bad, you have to know that it tastes bad, actually, and that why. Um, brewing ingredients and the process. Ah, so this is this is difficult as a front of house person to really learn all the steps that go into brewing. And there, I mean, it's a science. It's it's not just willy nilly business. It's definitely a science for sure. And then um, beer pairing with food. So then after a three hour exam, uh, you do. There's a little demonstration portion. They take a video. I just had to take apart a faucet, like a beer tap. Uh, name all the parts. Talk about how to clean it. Then put it back together. And then there is a tasting portion. And so, oh, and with the written portion, there's also an essay portion, three essays. Um, And then with the tasting portion, you get a bunch of beers. So the first set, you have to just, um, you have to identify the off flavors from the front of house accidents and what they are, what happened, how to avoid it. And then the next four, you have to identify back of house off flavors, what happened, how to avoid it. And then the next four, you have to so you're getting you get four beers and then they say, you know, is it is it a Kolsch or a Pilsner? And you have to know which one it is. Interesting. So it, not only does it seem really comprehensive, but there's there's a much bigger like service component to it than I would have uh, assumed right away. Yes, it is. a It's a front of house certification. So it, the, the service is definitely a, a big part of it. This, it's not just a, I'm really into beer history. It's like this is. This is the type of thing that I would do if I'm very serious about the the whole process from from mm-hmm. start to brewing all the way up to giving it to somebody in a glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, do you have any like like what's one of the most interesting like off the top of your head beer facts that you pulled from all of your studying for your test? I know I'm putting you on the spot, oh but is there something that, that you can pull that that is so going to blow me away? Well, my favorite types of beers are the ones from Belgium. I actually, when I first kind of started getting into it, I was really into Trappist beers, which one are cool because that means they're brewed by monks, which is, I think that's fun. Right. But then I got really into Belgian sours and a lot of these were done on farmhouses. And one of my favorite things is that, so before they knew, before people who made beer knew what yeast was, there was just like, oh, this magic thing happens. You do, you you know, you make the, the liquid magic happens and then all of a sudden it's beer. And they didn't know what the magic was, obviously. Now we know it's yeast. But they knew that it had something to do with the wood because yeast like to live in wood. And so, you know, they're brewing beer in these wood barns on farms. And these barns burn down a lot. And so when a, when a neighbor would build, would build a new barn, they would borrow wood from their neighbors to build their new barn because they're like, well, the magic's in the wood. You know, we can't just give new wood. 
So they would bring down, you know, pieces of wood to build their new barn with to spread the yeast and to help it propagate. And so a lot of these farmhouses end up having relatively similar tasting beers because they were Mm. using similar yeast strains. Interesting. Uh, It reminds me, there's a series of YouTube videos that I really like where an expert in some field, uh, like blind taste tests, different types of things, whether they're coffee or alcohol or wine, uh, and then is able to like very closely pinpoint not only which one's cheap and which one's expensive, but also like where the dollar range would be. And then they give different facts about them. And I think the most interesting one for me was the the coffee expert was able to tell by looking at the beans and by drinking the coffee, not only like how expensive or how cheap the coffee was, but probably where the beans came from all the way down to like this one probably came from, you know, this this village in this country and and this one is very similar but i would say that because of certain tastes uh, it's probably at a lower elevation so maybe just down the hill from that farm and it's like like mind-blowing when you think of it like that so it it, i i love those different types of things Is, is that maybe not to that degree but is there is there did you find new ways to appreciate beer where like if you blind taste test a beer can you tell things about it right away I will say my palate is um, not nearly as good as it should be with my certification. Um, But you can definitely tell, like, there's a lot of similarities in different types of styles. So, like, one is with um, Belgian beers, like a a Belgian double, for example, is a darker, like, 7%-ish beer. And then you can kind of compare it with a German, like, a Bach beer. And they kind of look the same, they kind of taste the same, but then you'll get notes of, you know, in the Belgians, because of the candy sugars that they use, you'll get more like dark fruits. You'll taste some plums and some grapes and stuff like that. Whereas with the German beers, it's a lot cleaner because they're pretty much all lagers. Um, So it's a cleaner base and you get a little bit more of like caramely tastes to it. So you can kind of um, get into things like that. So the more you learn about it, the more you're able to identify, oh, there is that one thing that tastes a little bit different, whether it's the type of hop or the amount of hops or the type of malts used, and they all give a different sort of taste to it. So it's that's something I like learning about. I wish I was better at identifying it, <laughs> maybe one day. So you you get your certification, you, you come back to Door County. What are some of the ways that you've been able to use your certification up here? Of course, writing for the Pulse is one, and we'll talk about that next. But uh, what are some of the other ways that you've been able to, to use the knowledge that you've gained up here? Well, so when I first came back, I was working at the Door County Brewing Company, and that was really fun. They make such cool beers, and they have a really great um, barrel program right now. So they do a lot of amazing sours. They have a coal ship, which is awesome. So that means that once the beer is made, the liquid, and before they pitch yeast of themselves, they put it in this tank and let the natural Door County air come and give it yeast. So that's like a Door County fermented beer, which is amazing. So I got to study there and learn a lot there. And that was really, you know, it's fun to be able to interact with brewers and ask them questions whenever I had one and be able to like give brewery tours, see what I was reading about in action, be able to try and talk about it firsthand, talk about it with customers right away and kind of bounce ideas. And one project that I'm actually working on right now is with Randy Isley over at the Ephraim Coffee Lab. He has been wanting to start a, a beer garden out of his coffee lab. So coffee in the morning, beer at night. So we've been working, um, creating a little beer list, getting a good variety of styles, creating a, you know, sort of place where you can come and get really cool American style, some some European, but mostly American style craft beers that are just really great styles, a good variety and trying to get the best of the best going there. So we're working on 
becoming a real beer bar. Interesting. Yeah, Randy is a cool guy. I've had him on the podcast before to talk about coffee lab and coffee and that kind of stuff. And he he's such a unique person because I feel like he he has all these really interesting and cool experiences and then he gets bored and moves on to something even cooler. Yeah. But he started with like being a pilot and I don't know how you're like and now coffee and yeah. now beer. It's like, but well, I've it, done the career. So. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I flew through the sky in a big metal bird and now I'm going to, you know, settle down in Door County and yeah, and start doing that kind of stuff. So I always love talking to Randy. And, yeah. uh, so it's cool that that's a new thing that you guys are starting up. And I think that uh, the two of you together probably will be able to produce something really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really fun working with Randy because he definitely has like a, a very clear vision of what he wants everything to be, but he's not controlling at all. And he's willing to like learn and open up. And it's it's been really fun for me personally. I hope he's having a good time because I am definitely enjoying myself. It's it's been really fun to learn about beer in that capacity and being able to order it and do the research myself. Cool. So it, it seems like you're able to get all this knowledge and then come back and actually start implementing it firsthand which is a, a great way to then like bring that knowledge here. So uh, that, that, that's cool to see that you're able to find those experiences here and those opportunities here, uh, because I'm sure it's enriching for you, but it's also enriching for our community too. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, another thing that you've been working on are these beer articles, Suds with Sophie in the Peninsula Pulse. And these have been going on since last year, right? Or, or early this year? I think February. Okay, so early this year. And you have covered a lot of different things. Um, tell me about like why you wanted to start writing about beer and then what your process has been over time. And, and then we'll dig into what you're working on right now, which I think is really interesting in this kind of like the, the basics of brewing series that you're doing. So uh, take me back to the beginning tell me what you wanted to set out to do with this article series well i guess when i was studying for the cicerone certification obviously i was studying a lot i was learning a lot reading a lot and a lot of this stuff is really cool and i want to share it but you know that meant that i was sharing it with my like three friends that are interested in beer and just absolutely overloading them and you know interrupted conversations to be like actually did you know you know so i it's <laughs> i wanted to be able to to chat about beer to people who might be interested and not, you know, when, when I first got into beer, I knew a couple things, but there was a lot that I didn't even think about it. So I kind of wanted to be able to talk about a bunch of different things in a very, oh, how do I say it? I don't know, edu educated way. Like I, yeah, I read the previous beer articles and I cannot write like that. That was, uh, I mean, beautiful stream of consciousness. And I am a very factual writer. So I wanted to kind of talk about cool things that are happening in the beer world in a relatively factual way. Uh, so it's, yeah, so it's, it's talking about like, you know, what, oh, what, why the style is neat and then getting into like the science and the history and maybe the ingredients behind it. And, and you've, you picked early on, you picked different, like unique topics to talk about for each article. Um, and, and so what was your process like in that way? I, I never felt like your articles were, were very broad. It was almost like, here's a cool idea or a cool question. And then you kind of fill in the blanks around that. Is that kind of how you set out to do it? Yeah, it was either, you know, something that I kind of noticed or came up with or a friend of mine mentioned that I was like, you know what, I want to look more into that or something that just came up that I'm like, I would like to learn more, I guess, or refresh myself or I would like to share this information. And then, yeah, just write a little a little article on one specific topic or a general topic and well and and right now you are working through this kind of like basics of brewing series, correct? Yeah, so I'm going through the beer ingredients from start to finish. And this has been really interesting to me because, like, I, I love that, like, 
micro level analysis of stuff. So like some of your articles are like, here's a bunch of cool facts about American beer that you put out around 4th of July, which was really cool. Uh, But this one is like, we're going to go through the individual components. And I believe your first one was water, right? So like you're really getting granular in this (laughs) and you're, you're taking us through all of the steps. I believe um, at the end of this week, there will be three articles, correct? Do you have one coming out for this week's pulse? I do. Yes. And it'll be, um, I apologize. It will be um, malts part two. Malts <laughs> part two. So There's so about. much to talk about about malts. Okay, so you did water and malts yes. so far. Okay, talk me through the water one just a little bit because what, like it seems like a perfect place to start, but also like I I struggle to think like what what is the most or what is it so important about the water in beer? Yeah, so water is one that. Even while studying, I mean, the section is so small talking about it. I think maybe there was one question on my exam about it, but it's one that I thought was really cool because it's a little bit nerdy, I suppose. But so water was something that early brewers, and I say early brewers, like 1600s, 1500s, 1700s, um, they couldn't modify a lot. They just sort of had to deal with whatever water they had. And so with the four ingredients of brewing, water is considered one of them because it is incredibly important. And so when, uh, you know, when you talk about lagers, you know, Pilsner is definitely the most common, the most popular and most talked about. And their water is so special because it's so soft. There's very little chemicals or really anything in it at all. So it doesn't react with the rest of the ingredients. So they can put a lot of malts and a lot of hops and it just, it's pretty mild and it's pretty soft tasting. And then, so the Germans are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, the Czechs have Czechs over in Pilsen. Um, they've created this lager. This is so embarrassing. This is our stuff. So they wanted to create, you know, their own Pilsner, but their water is a lot harder. They have, you know, very hard water. And so that reacts harshly with hops. So if they were to hop to the level that um, the Czechs did, it would be just this harsh medicinal beer. So they had to really ease it up, but you can still taste that. So if like, if you compare them side by side, Czech Pilsners have a, a darker color, but they're very soft and easy. And then the German Pils, has a lighter color, but you still get this little bit of a harsh hop to it. I mean, light overall. It's a pills. And then as something in the middle, uh, we have the Munich Helles Lager. And so that um, they have a bit softer water than the uh, than the pills was. And so they could add a bit more malts and a bit more hops. So they have a bit of a darker color and it's got a bit of a bready taste to it. Very low hopping. Uh, and low bitterness. And so that's kind of like the middle ground. So it's just fun how the different types of water in all these places influenced what kind of beer they could make. They couldn't just make whatever they wanted. Right. And it sounds like the you have to start with the water, right? Yes. And then you can you can gauge how much you can add to it from there. So uh, it, it seems like the least important ingredient in what makes mm-hmm. beer beer, but it's actually, it has the greatest effect. Is that what you're you're kind of getting at? Yeah, especially, I mean, now it's, it's a little less because now brewers can start with a pretty clean base and just add whatever they want to it. But back then when styles were really becoming a thing and beer was, you know, people wanted to make a consistent beer, you had to work with your water and you, you know, they couldn't break it down to the chemicals and impact it the way we can today. So you had to work with what you had and it, it created some really neat things. I mean, almost any any like big style in Europe was just influenced by what their water was. Now, I, I don't want to spoil the the malts articles because they're pretty fresh. But you said that there are four ingredients that you're going to cover, right? Yes. What are they? So water, obviously, and then barley, 
and then hops, and then yeast. Cool. So we have malts part two coming in this week's pulse. Uh, and then are you foreseeing more multi-parters as you continue on, or is this something that you're you're wrapping up pretty soon? I will say it's really fun because sometimes I I talk a lot and I write a lot and I go over my limits. So it is fun to do some things that have multi-parts and tell a, a bigger story than but than just like, you know, the 500, 700 words I'm limited to. But I do like the small ones too, so... A little bit of both, I suppose. Great. Uh, I know that you're going to be working on this uh, components of brewing for a couple more weeks now, but do you have any other plans coming down the pipeline that you are dying to write about uh, but haven't yet? Uh, Well, actually, that's why I have been trying to do the components of beer every other article that I write. And so in between those, so that's when I wrote the American style beers. I just wrote an article about smoothie sours. So this is a, a totally new this year style that Hmm. I had never heard of until a friend brought it up and it's so it was fun to try a bunch of those. So, yeah, just just keeping it as it comes to me, I guess. And, and beer is beer is not set in stone. It's not history. There's there's all sorts of new things that are coming out every year. Constantly. So it, it's something that you can continue to enjoy and and learn about as as time goes on. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with me on the podcast. I've wanted to get you in for a long time because, uh, like I said, beer is something that I really want to know more about. I super don't know enough about. In fact, most times when I talk about beer on the podcast, I get corrected the next day by... Uh, by Kate in the office so that (laughs) yeah she's into it yeah that's been my experience so far Um, so hopefully I didn't put my foot in my mouth too much this episode and Kate won't uh, message me on slack this week but thank you for coming in and and chatting with me and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again too soon we should have you back on the podcast as as time goes on and we can we can talk more about beer it's it's a really cool uh, topic that I'd like to know more about yeah sounds great perfect thanks a lot Sophie thank you Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.